I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, one of our favorite furniture builders, Anna White, talks to us about mustering the confidence to DIY. I confess what shower feature has me on the fence. And we share a random design curveball from our teacher's lounge makeover. Well, hello, Sherry. Hello, John. Welcome back to the podcasting table. Thank you. In our, the middle of our living room. Yes. It's good to be back. Well, for my what's new this week, I was going to talk about our recent post on our blog about the teacher's lounge makeover that we did for a local elementary school. So I guess I should say first, for anyone who hasn't seen the post yet on younghouselove.com, the gist of it was that we found out that a local public elementary school was looking to do a makeover of their teacher's lounge, the PTA, and the principal wanted to surprise the teachers and the staff when they came back to school this month with a sort of refreshed and updated space because it, you know, it needed it. Let's just, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. The pictures speak for themselves. So it was a fun project because, you know, we don't do teacher's lounges every day or ever before. So the post covers all the design choices and the story of how it was basically all done through donations and donated hours and materials from uh, parents and volunteers. And and largely, um, this gentleman named Ryan Ferguson, he's a contractor, Ferguson General Contracting. I mean, he like, he donated like basically a full kitchen yeah, and flooring amazing. and painting. And like, he had his dad in there helping us hang stuff on the walls because it was cinder block. And it was really, really generous. If of anyone him. needs a contractor in the Richmond area, I now know one for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But one thing we didn't cover in the post was how complicated working around vending machines were. Again, this is not a problem. How would you, we have known? Yeah, it's not a problem <laughs> you encounter in your own home. And I guess I didn't even really think about it when I first saw the space, except I was like, how do you incorporate a Pepsi logo right, <laughs> into a design like, plan? Well, that's never going to go with anything. So it is what it is. Like there was yeah. no moving them or disguising them. I was not going to make a slip cover for the Pepsi machine. Right. <laughs> Look, we put a cabinet panel on the vending machine. You can't see anything in it. Exactly. So we just wanted to make the rest of the room as functional and nice looking as possible with the vending machines in it. And so I think what we failed to think about was vending machines are giant and very heavy. Very heavy. They're full of soda, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Liquids weigh a lot. Soda yeah. cans, aluminum. It's a very heavy structure. Well, so poor Ryan, when it came time to do this floor, because it's just a vinyl floor like the rest of the uh, material in the rest of the school, because it has to be waxed and cleaned the same way. But Ryan, you know, was laying this black and white vinyl tile in the stripe pattern that we'd given him. And when they went to go move these vending machines out of the way, they were so heavy and they were too big to fit out of the door. I yeah. think the vending machine service people can take them apart. Maybe to the get doors them out. off or something. Yes. So they managed to wheel them just far enough away from the wall so that they could tile around them. So there was like this kind of like vending machine island. Right. <laughs> there was the old tile underneath them and they tiled all around. They had to wait for the glue to dry on the vinyl a couple days and then come back and push them with all their might right. back into place and fill the like little square that they had left. Mainly our big fear was Frigidaire very kindly donated these two fridges to the teachers and we needed to have the space where the fridges were going to go clear and finished. So the floor had to be done. The vending machines had to be out of their way so they could roll those in. And thankfully, those had no issues fitting in and they rolled right into place. But there were moments with the floor taking a little longer than we expected and the vending machines not being as easy to manipulate as we hoped. And now it's nice because when the teachers come in, they see these nice fridges at the door, not 
giant vending machines. Right. The vending machines are still there. They're just not quite right as soon as you walk in right ahead. They're not the focal point anymore. The other cool part about the project was after it was all finished, we had like basically a week to spare before the staff came back for the fall. And so the principal called an all hands on deck meeting. Uh, They like met in the library. And I guess we found out later, like a bunch of the teachers were really nervous. It was something bad. I know. They were like, is the principal resigning? Like, what's going on? They had all these conspiracy theories. And we were like, oh, gosh, they must have been so relieved that it was just like a nice teacher's lounge. (laughs) So she uh, led them back to the room where we had been waiting with Ryan. She had kept them out all summer by putting a sign on the door that said like, do not enter plumbing issues. Right. When you say plumbing issues, nobody messes with it. Well, she did say it's the only door in the whole building that doesn't lock. So that would have been the easy trick is just lock it. But she couldn't do that. So they led them back and we got to sort of see the reveal of, you know, everyone coming in and seeing it for the first time. And as the principal said, a little talk she gave while we were there that she really hopes it sets the tone for a, a great school year and becomes a space where they feel excited to have, you know, meetings and hang out for lunch and really help the the teachers and the staff bond. The thing that I like the most is when they discovered there was a Keurig machine. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. We were like, hey, look at all this stuff, la la la. And then it was like, oh, and you have a Keurig machine. It was like, ooh, ah. <laughs> I think that did get the biggest reaction. Well, to me, it sort of hammered home that pretty is nice. A pretty room is great. It's wonderful. But I think most of all, they really appreciated function. And so that's why we heard such big reactions. You know, the other most exciting thing for them was to have extra stories in the fridge and ice maker there were so many conversations about ice makers yeah because we found some when we were trying to fit a fridge within our budget which was like pretty much impossible unless we we're gonna it get was something just off a of craigslist our our budget would have been the fridge and we never could have done new chairs all the touches we added to make this space feel homey like those pendant lights we added all of that stuff it would have been like you got a fridge congrats and it would have kind of been like why did you use young house love <laughs> Young House Love bought you a fridge? We're excellent fridge shoppers. We're really good at shopping for fridges. So yeah, we definitely were on Craigslist and we were looking at the potential for buying an all fridge and an all freezer if that would somehow give them more space and it didn't and they didn't have ice makers. We tried the under counter fridges. We were going to get, those are cheaper. I was looking at a chest freezer. like Yeah, we, we were trying all different routes to get them the most fridge space, but the whole ice maker detail pretty much meant what we found, which are the two side by side fridges were the best option and they both have an ice maker, so. And they match. Yeah, that was nice. But again, it was a super fun project to work on. I mean, obviously teachers do a lot and are probably not appreciated as much as they should be. So we were glad to show the teachers at this school that their principal and their PTA and the parents there really cared about what they did and wanted them to have a space that was fresh and felt, you know, a little bit more comfortable to have lunches in and have meetings in. But uh, speaking of teachers, you had a what's new, Sherry, right? Yeah, so my dad, who has taught for 43 years, he's a high school math teacher, was recently in the hospital. And I mentioned it in episode 12. And you guys were so sweet to reach out. It was kind of an offhanded mention. I was talking about the Beatles and he's the reason I'm such a Beatles fan. And I mentioned he was in the hospital and it was actually pretty rough for a while. He had heart failure is the way to describe it. He had a mini heart attack or a small heart attack. He went to the hospital and he was in the hospital for a month. And what they were trying to do is stabilize him enough to be able to operate on him to save his life. And Finally, after a few weeks of waiting, we're able to operate and they went in saying it will probably be a double bypass and it ended up being a quadruple bypass with a valve repair, which is science is amazing and the nurses and doctors took such amazing care of him and he is recovering. 
And actually, my dad's dad passed away from a massive heart attack. So we were all feeling extremely lucky that instead of having a massive heart attack, he had a smaller one. They were able to get him into the hospital and treat him. But after a month in the hospital, the what's new is that my dad is in a rehab facility. So he's not quite home yet. He's got a few weeks of rehab to just, you know, walk and get stronger and rehabilitate himself because he's been in a hospital bed for a month. But our entire family is feeling very grateful that he is doing much better. And thank you guys so much for anyone who said something kind it was hard to kind of have that going on in the background of everything and you don't want to think about it all the time but you also it's just hard to explain how you feel but I'm really glad that he's doing better I mean he's walking around and talking and laughing and he's himself again it is a perfect time I think to celebrate that my dad is doing a lot better so I'm grateful yes we're very grateful well there's not a great segue here but would you like to play some what's not let's do it So this is the part of the episode where I quiz Sherry. I have a category of things. Most of them are real, but one is fake. And she just has to guess what's real and what's not. So back in June, Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. She put her Tribeca penthouse apartment up for sale. I know nothing about this. I didn't either. It just came across my feed somehow. But I guess it also became newsworthy because when she put it for sale, she shared a house tour of it on her website, Goop. And in sort of the fashion that Gwyneth and Goop is known for, the language when describing the apartment oh, was this is gonna be not great. quite approachable, I would say. This is going to be great. It's not necessarily the typical language you would use when describing a place. It's, it's very um, poetic, we'll say. So what I'm going to read to you is five excerpts from the Goop post describing Gwyneth Paltrow's New York City apartment. And you have to guess which is the fake one. Okay. I will disclaim this by saying I have paraphrased ever so slightly just to make them bite-sized nuggets. But the core language is still there. Okay. I'm going to put on my best goopy voice. (laughs) Okay. It floats above the cobblestone streets like a pale dreamy cloud. Wow. Number two. A lightness not just in palette and texture, but in spirit. This is going to be the hardest quiz you've ever given me. Three. It's artisanal, bespoke nature is surprising. Okay, that's definitely... I feel like two and three are more real than one. Number four. Graced with subtle details that sing in whispered harmony. (laughs) This is so good. And number five. The marble counter is intense and strong, yet somehow sensual. Are you kidding? Okay, that's real because you wouldn't do that. I'm guessing you made up one, but two through five are real. Okay, so number one, just to recap, is... It floats above the cobblestone streets like a pale, dreamy cloud. Yeah, pale, dreamy cloud sounds like less sophisticated than bespoke. Are you calling me less sophisticated (laughs) than Gwyneth Paltrow? Am I right? No, you're wrong. Ah! (laughs) Then, John, you are just as sophisticated as Gwyneth Paltrow. That's actually the pale, dreamy cloud, I think, is the quote that got this the most attention. Um, You want to know the fake one? Wait, let me guess. Then it's three. You don't get a second guess. It's three. It's artisanal bespoke nature, surprising. No, that's real too. (laughs) That's like the second quote everyone mentioned. I know, I know. I thought that bespoke was hers. Everyone's like the the artisanal apartment. No, the fake one was number four. Graced with subtle details that sing in whispered harmony. That was great. Thank you. Your whispered harmony was really playing off things like bespoke and sensuality. Well, I really studied the article and I, (laughs) I got in the mood. Did she explain why the counters were sensual? The sensual counters is actually a quote from uh, one of the designers that worked on it. He says that the marble counter is intense and strong, yet somehow it works as this sensual piece. I mean, Stone, you could argue. Oh, my heavens. Is that 
That's like a quadruple thick marble island. I will describe this to you guys. Take a dinner plate, a 12-inch dinner plate. Put it vertically so that all your pasta would slide onto the floor. That's how thick her counter is. That's the chunk of marble is as thick as a 12-inch dinner plate. So what you're saying, and if I may paraphrase, is it's a foot thick. It's a foot thick. But picture a dinner plate. And it really helps to envision all your spaghetti sliding to the floor. That's really the short way to explain this. It's unbelievable. It's I mean, it's thicker than some of the bowls on top of it full of fruit. It yeah. is that thick. Yeah. I'm going to put a link to the Goop article uh, because there are some really pretty pictures of the apartment. It's very white on white on white. Like and a white cloud. Light gray. Yeah, like a, a white cloud. pale cloud that floats above the cobblestone streets. Amazing. And look at this swing. It's made from an old Indian door. Everyone go to younghouselove.com slash podcast and check out this apartment. Well, should we get on to our phone call? Yes, it's time to call Anna White. She is one of my favorite girl bosses. She can build a mean piece of furniture. So let's give her a ring. Good morning, guys. Hi, how are you, Hi, Anna? Anna? Can you hear us okay? Yes, perfect. Oh, good. All the way from Alaska. You know what's so funny is I always remember you guys took your honeymoon up here. Right? Yeah. You did. And so, I, you know, I just always thought that was really cool about you two. But how are you guys? We are doing great. great. How about you? Uh, doing pretty good. We are very excited to talk to you today. Probably most of our listeners are familiar with you and your story and your website, uh, AnnaWhite.com and for anyone who's headed off to their browser at this second, it's anna-white.com. But I figured for anyone who doesn't know you or your website, we should just give some background that it's one of the best resources out there for free furniture and building plans. You've got material lists and step-by-step guides. It's it's great for beginners. You've got everything from bunk beds and tables to bookcases and playhouses and the whole gamut. And also, you've used that to sort of be a springboard for like shows on HGTV and your book, The Handbuilt Home. Yeah, lots of fun stuff. You know, I just am a real big believer that people are very capable and that people still want to make things, especially functional, useful things in their home. So I really try just to provide simple instructions where you can make just about anything using very basic tools. Why don't you share with everyone how you got into building furniture in the first place? Sure. Well, it's really simple. Um, we just had built a house and it wasn't like, you know, checking on the contractors. It was more like get paid on Thursday. We live in remote Alaska. So drive 100 miles to the nearest lumber store, load up a trailer and drive home, work on the house all weekend and then go back to work on Monday. Of course, we had to be pregnant expecting our first at the same time, right? <laughs> anyway, we got our house done. And at that point, I was really just helping my husband. My husband does have construction experience. That was kind of his grunt. You know, I would just fetch him tools and clean up and make him lunch. But I was watching him all the time. And I was like, that drill doesn't look that hard to use. You know, that saw it doesn't look that hard. But I never really had the courage to try. And I didn't grow up using power tools. So anyway, we got done building this house. And we were sleeping on a mattress on the floor and camped chairs in the living room, just no furniture, totally broke, credit card maxed out. I would look through catalogs and know that I could never afford the furniture in these catalogs. So one day I just thought, you know, we could build a house out of just regular off the shelf lumber and it's strong enough to be a house. Why can't I build myself a bed out of it? So I... I just did. I just drew a bed up on wrapped paper and, you know, we just had a drill and a saw and I went out there and put it together. And I mean, that bed turned out so beautiful. We still have it today. And it's cost me about $80 to make. And it just really changed my whole perspective on what not only what I was capable of doing, but how much you can do with so little. 
So I went on to furnish our entire house and I got to thinking, you know, if I can do this, so many other people out there can do this. I'm not a trained carpenter. It's all about if somebody was to provide a simple, easy to follow plan, anybody could make this furniture that I'm making. What are your favorite beginner's tools for anyone out there who might want to get their feet wet? Like maybe three or four tools that you think everyone should have in their arsenal and then they could tackle a lot of the plans on your site. Well, the first tool that everybody should have, are we talking power tools, Sherry? If someone wants to build that bed you were just talking about, what would they need to have on hand? Because I think it sounds harder in their mind than it really is. So if you were like, all you need is X and Y, I think it might help quantify for people how doable this really is. Yeah, so I'm just going to assume that most people that have a home have a tape measure, a pencil, you know, just basic supplies. So with that, if you just had, I built my farmhouse bed with a drill and a circular saw, like seriously, a $99 combo kit. And you can build many, many, many things with just those tools. You could build a lot of just with a drill if your home improvement store will cut your boards for you. The nice thing about the plans that I provide is like you can really work up. You can start, you you know, everybody needs a drill. You need a drill for like assembling Ikea furniture, right? Right. right. You need it and you have to build it anyway. So you need a drill. Everybody needs a drill. And then I highly recommend learning how to cut. It's not hard. Um, having a circular saw, you can cut just fine with it. If you can step up to a miter saw, it'll make cutting so much easier. And then as you progress, they sell cordless nailers that are so simple and easy to use. It's like a big staple gun. So yeah, we just talked about one that we got recently on a previous episode of this podcast, because we had had a nail gun that was attached to an air compressor that we got a few years ago, which was like a game changing tool for me. Yeah, you have to drag a dirty, greasy hose and if you don't coil it right around your house and then using the same battery system. So like my drill and my cordless nailer use the same battery. So I've only had to buy one battery, which is the expensive part in your power tool investment. Exactly. Yeah. You got to think about how to how to save money. I mean, you're doing this to save money, right? You're not doing this to have $10,000 in tools to build $2,000 in furniture. You want to keep your tools to a minimum. I am always considerate of that, like trying my hardest to minimize the tools. I'm a huge fan of the Craig Jig. You don't necessarily need it to start building, but once you have it, you'll be so in love with it. I've had people stop me in airports and be like, that blue tool thing that you told me to buy, that thing changed my life. Oh, you're welcome. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So it is really, it really is all that. You guys are, you guys use the Craig Jig as well. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, I credit the Craig Jig with John becoming a furniture builder because the very first thing he did when he had a Craig Jig was he assembled these little box shelves just for books. They were so tiny and simple. (laughs) They were like four sides and a base that he just used the jig to create. What the Craig Jig does for anyone listening who's not familiar is it makes pocket holes. So that enables you to join wood in sort of a more um, nice tight fit and without seeing all the screws on every side of it, it sort of hides them in a way that's convenient. And I think from building those shelves six years ago to now, John's building has just sort of exploded. And it was from the confidence of that one little tool because now he can do built-ins with bookcases on top, floor-to-ceiling stuff. And that um, I think was all born from the momentum you build from taking on a small beginner project. So I'm hoping that people listening, I mean, I even am good at the jig. I can use the miter saw now. I've learned tools and I think it empowers you Whether you're a guy or girl, whether you have plans to become a master builder or just want to build some simple things, it is such a great skill as a homeowner or even a renter to figure out because anything you build, even if you're a renter, you can bring it with you. Well, and I was going to add to what you were saying, Anna, because I think these tools are fairly easy to use, but I think they still can feel scary. I mean, I think the first time I used my nail gun, I was 
legit scared of doing it. I was like, am I going to shoot my face off somehow? Well, you don't know what to expect. And it's not one of those things that if you haven't grown up doing it or had some experience, you've got to try it. It's kind of like riding a bike for the first time. You're, you just aren't comfortable yet. And all I can say to that is like, I'm not super tough. I didn't grow up doing this. And I'm going to tell you, it's not hard. You just have to jump in and do it. Hopefully you have somebody that can kind of hold your hand and give you some guidance and show you the right way to do it. Definitely Google some YouTube videos. Be safe, right? Be safe. But I'm going to tell you, it's not hard. If I can do this, certainly anybody can do this. Yeah, you just kind of have to jump in. Yes. Do you agree? I mean, it's it's one of those things where you could easily talk yourself out of it because, you know, it's a it's a saw blade. It's cutting wood. It's a nail gun. It's going to nail my finger. You know, you could easily talk yourself out of it because it's so dangerous. But people do it. And people like me who aren't super tough or, you know, <laughs> they just are determined to try to make their home better on a limited budget. And if you want to do that, you've got to learn how to use tools. Yeah. And I was going to say your tip about looking at YouTube videos or something. I think actually seeing someone use a tool, uh, especially like a power saw is a really nice way to take some of the fear out of it. I think actually when we were doing our first bathroom renovation, I hadn't really used a power saw up until that point. And my dad came over to help and he had a circular saw and he sort of handed it to me like, okay, you take it away. And I was kind of like, I do what? <laughs> you know? Who me? And yeah. yeah, exactly. I was like, well, that's what that's what you're here for. Um, but I saw him use the circular saw in front of me and it sort of that fear hesitation kind of evaporated and I was willing to step up and do it. And then once you sort of break the ice on it, it's a lot easier to then go to the next thing because you realize that the, the fear, again, like you said, as long as you have some basic safety and caution going into it, it's quick to put the fear behind you. That's so right. And one of the things that I've always experienced with every tool, because my husband is like Mr. Jack of all trades, good at everything, right? So like in order for me to take on a new tool, I just have to do it when he's not looking. <laughs> if, if he's there, he's going to take it over, right? But every single tool that I've ever used or every single task that he's ever done that I don't normally do, I've always felt like a little bit mad after I've used the saw for the first time or the chainsaw. I've always been like, you mean all these years it's been this easy and you didn't show me how? Yeah, <laughs> so. I always have that thought like, why did I wait so long to do this? And oftentimes it's the fun job, right? Like when you're the grunt, you're the one carrying the lumber up and down the stairs to the person at the miter saw, or you're the one doing like all the cutting in because the other person is doing the fun build in the corner and you're like painting just to pass the time. No, we've got this all wrong. I mean, for years I was like the yard girl while my, you know, my husband would drive the skid steer and then I would drive the skid steer and I'm like, what's going on? He's got air conditioning. He's got radio in here. <laughs> totally. Totally. Now I'm like dibs on the miter saw because I'm in the cool garage standing there while the other person runs back and forth with the stuff. Yes. So, I mean, I just, I always think that's so funny that, you know, just, I know things are changing, but traditionally the men use the power equipment and the women help, right? If a husband and wife team are going to go do something. And I'm always on my husband. I'm like, this is actually the harder job. Like painting the furniture is harder than building it. And it's so funny because before I built, I love to paint things. And then I realized that building is so much more fun and easy. <laughs> Have you ever had a build go wrong or not turn out the way you thought? I think people sometimes see all these furniture plans and assume we like always hit it out of the park on the first try. Well, to be completely honest with you, John, like everything I do, I put a lot of planning into the design before I build it. I mean, so much that I, sometimes I'll even talk myself out of building something because I'm like, this just isn't right. Or we're going to have a lot of waste with the way this is made. 
the way it, you know, utilizes lumber. So probably half of my designs don't even make it to the blog. But that being said, even then, if I go to build something, um, it's just like anything, you kind of have to roll with it. It's like looking at the perfect swatch of paint, and then you go paint your walls and you hate it. Sometimes I think our readers love when we talk about a failure because they can finally relate and say like, oh, you're not machines or robots. You guys like mess up too. And sometimes it's just us trying to help people not do the same thing we did. Yes, absolutely. We just did a tiny house and that was kind of my big thing when we did like the reveal video because, you know, we did it for HGTV and everything's all happy and everything's great. And I was like, you know, when we do our YouTube video, I want to point out everything I would do differently because if somebody's going to invest money into making this, I want to be completely honest and upfront and let them know what they're in for here and, you know, just give them the best ammunition to make the best possible decision because they're they're investing their time and their money. Well, you mentioned your tiny house and sort of the video done for that. But if we understand you also have a new project, your quote unquote forever home that you and your husband Jacob are building and you're also going to document uh, for everyone to follow along with on your YouTube channel. I was curious where you sort of fell on the spectrum of either really excited or really nervous about that undertaking? Well, 15 years ago, when I first met my husband, he made me a deal. He's like, you live in Alaska, and I'll build you a beautiful home, anything you want. And, you know, 15 years passed, we've been saving, um, we lived in a garage for four years. And so we've been stepping up to this over many, many, many years. And by the time it's actually happening, since it's so long in the making, it's hard to be excited about it, especially when it's so daunting and so huge. I'm daunted by it and I'm not even doing it. We're nervous listening to you talk about it. (laughs) And I think there's something about putting the word forever on any project that just raises the stakes. Like, is this floor plan going to work? Are we going to hate it? There's just so many decisions to make. And when you're building from scratch yourself and you have control over every decision, it's so much harder. But at the same time, it's very, very exciting. And this project, more than any project, I find myself wanting to be part of it. I want to be covered in concrete and be part of that. I want to be up there in the rafters, trying not to look down, (laughs) trying to weave my way through rafters with a nail gun. I want to be doing that because this is our forever home and I want to be part of it. So we're going to do a a video series every Friday and we're just going to kind of share our progress, any challenges that we've had. And as we get closer to the end, of course, we'll be furnishing all the rooms. And then I think anybody that's a homeowner, it's good to kind of watch these things so that you know how your house is made. And when you need to, you know, tear into your wall because you have a moisture problem or, you know, you want to add some recessed lighting and you know how all that stuff is put together. I'm so excited to see how it turns out. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Well, again, you can check out Anna and her building plans at Anna-White.com. That's Anna, A-N-A-White.com. And we'll put a link to it in our show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, along with a link to her book, The Handbelt Home, and also her YouTube series. But now let's close this thing down with some more digging. This week, I'm digging something in a strangely convicted way because I feel like it's kind of goes against the grain. So this week, I'm digging shower curtains. <laughs> wow. Let's let's give everyone a moment to let that sink in. <laughs> Not all shower curtains, but there are very great fabric shower curtains that are happening right now. Wait, but, but why are you digging shower curtains? The reason I like shower curtains, I was going to get to this, John, okay. is that 
We all love a glass shower door, right? These seamless hinged glass shower doors are the new, amazing, beautiful thing to do in bathrooms. And I certainly have showered. Not that new. I know. Well, they feel like the fresher thing to do than a tension rod with a shower curtain on it. But I also think there's a comfort and a cozy factor that I get from a shower curtain that I don't get from glass. And I think it comes from feeling very sort of exposed. Like whenever <laughs> whenever I'm in a hotel shower, I can't explain it. I like it. I don't dislike it. But I just feel cozier when there's a curtain. I don't know why because it's like, I guess I could see the murderer coming with a knife if it was a glass <laughs> shower. And in a curtain, I'd just be surprised. I think that's really why people... Ha- have caught on to the glass shower doors just like murder prevention. Just to see someone coming. No, but I feel like I don't even dislike it when we stay at hotels that have them. I just am cognizant of having a slightly different feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm shampooing. What if the door opened and it was room service? What would I do? Or a murderer. What if Norman Bates dresses his mother just walk through the door right now? I just have more questions when I see the glass and can see beyond it. I guess the best description is I'm in my own little shower cocoon world when I'm behind a shower curtain and there is something nice about that. Can I make two observations? One, I think this is the weirdest word digging you've had yet. <laughs> it's weird, right? But two, my second observation is I get it. Right? You know, what we always talk about not having renovated our bathrooms in this house yet, that we're using like the research, quote unquote, research that we've done being in various hotels on our book tour. So like figure out what we like about showers. You know, like rain shower heads are very like ooh la la. Right. But we've stayed at hotels with a few of them and we have I not. I didn't like it. Right. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it as much as a normal one. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I couldn't like, I couldn't figure out like, do I stand, <laughs> when I have to shampoo, do I have to step all the way out? Do I just lean out? Like... <laughs> Moments like that, I wish I was watching you through the glass door. So, uh, but I've had that same experience where like, I I think there's something novel about some of these trendy shower features, but I think at the end of the day, I kind of like a normal shower head and like, I think I do like a shower curtain. I know. And I keep thinking when we finally redo our master bathroom, there is a fair chance we'll put in a glass door and everyone will be like, um, you said you liked a curtain. I just am making an observation that for now, I think I like a curtain more. And it might even hinge on having like a better door because right now our bathroom doesn't even really have a door. It has like two turns and you go into the bathroom yeah. from the bedroom. The shower curtain is the only privacy we've got. Right. The <laughs> only defense between us and a kid running in. Exactly. Which often happens. So I think in our future shower who knows what we'll choose but i would not be super disappointed if we got a shower curtain especially if we got one of these cooler shower curtains like you guys all know that i love a turkish towel for the reason of the little fringy embellishments i just think it adds some interest and i think in the same way i'm loving shower curtains that have some sort of embellishment on them there's one from anthropology that has like little black tassels around it and it's a hundred dollars i think it's like 115 dollars which is a lot for a piece cheaper of cheaper than a glass door probably exactly but a glass door is usually at least five times that maybe ten times that depending on the type and the hinge and the size and all that but i definitely think there is a cost effective measure to a shower curtain and also the like easy switch out like you can update your bathroom and get a new shower curtain every five years with a new color palette or a new pattern Says the person it. who only buys white shower curtains. i know but i'm telling you the now potential I'm, is there i have pinned so many non-white shower curtains i might just deviate you wait and see Oh my gosh. It's hard to find one that goes with our like dark blue tile that's going on right now. But if I redid the bathroom and we were keeping a shower curtain, I might just go out on a limb and surprise you. There's a really cute one at West Elm right now that's ticking stripe. So it's like mostly white, but has like the little ticking stripe down it. And it feels like sort of organic and soft. And I don't know, there's something inviting about it. That's still like classic. 
sick looking. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this before we started recording this. Like we all recognize that a curtain is a great decorative accessory. You can pick a pattern. You can pick a print. It can bring the eye up. It adds softness. It's sort of a nice way to add color or pattern or some sort of detail to the room. If you feel like it's kind of a boring space, it's a fun way to wake it up. So I'm going to put links to the ones I'm loving. There's also a pom-pom shower curtain from Ballard Designs. I'm totally obsessed with it. I think someone could DIY it really easily if you know how to sew pom-poms on anything. It comes with a monogram in the center of it, which is not my cup of tea, but you can buy it without the monogram. So that's the little decorative designy thing I'm digging this week. And I ain't afraid to talk about it. Well, my we're digging this week is a website called simpledesktops.com. It's a site that I've used a long time as my resource for my computer wallpaper. You know, the like backdrop behind all my icons on my desktop. Hashtag nerd. Yeah, well, wait till you see them because it is this free resource for just these really cool, colorful, and graphic desktop wallpapers. And I know this sounds silly, but like I I went through a phase where I suddenly was like, I don't want to have like a family photo back there because as much as I love looking at my family, like it's very distracting with all my icons and all the... You're like, oh, I don't want to put this icon on my son's face. Right, exactly. You know, I didn't want to insult anyone. So these simple (laughs) desktops on the website, they describe themselves as a collection of bling, drop shadow, and gradient-free desktops. (laughs) To help you stay focused, but also provide just enough eye candy to not be bored, which I think is the perfect description. You have to go look at them because I'm not going to do a great job describing them, but they are simple. Like they're largely of solid color, but with some cool graphic little illustration on them or type treatment or something like one of my favorite ones is called Sharktopus. And it has this illustration of a shark slash octopus attacking a submarine. You know, as one does. But what I did was they're free to download. I downloaded a bunch of them and I actually uh, was able to subscribe to them like as an RSS. So whenever new ones get posted, because it's it's just a curated site where this guy takes postings from illustrators. And so I get alerts when there's new ones and I just download them into a folder on my computer called desktops. Really, really original. (laughs) And on my MacBook, I'm able to set it to rotate every day. So every day I get a different backdrop, but they're all simple and follow the same kind of like graphic scheme that it still feels like cohesive and nice. So like it still feels like my computer, even though the desktop is different every day. I'll put links to some of my favorite ones in the show notes. So for anyone who's looking to make over their desktop or their background wallpaper on their phone, I highly recommend simple desktops. I like how you spun something techie into decorating. If yes. you want to decorate your computer, yes. Here's if how. you would like to do a computer makeover, <laughs> with a shark to puss. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. We love that you guys are tagging us on social media with the best stories about what you do while you listen. Yeah, Laurel tuned in while driving 15 cats and five dogs in an animal rescue transport through Missouri. And apparently, a pit bull named Wally really liked the sound effects. So if you or your pet are enjoying these episodes, we'd love a quick rating or review on iTunes. They're easy to do, and they're a big help for keeping these weekly episodes coming. So check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like shower curtains I'm loving and some videos from Anna White, like her tiny house reveal. Later. Bye. And that's the one that comes from the ceiling? Or a rainfall showerhead, yeah. Rainfall. Is it called rain shower? Shower head? No. Not a rain shower head. (laughs) I think it is a rain shower. Rain head? Rain. No, it's not. Rainforest? Rainforest? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, the rainforest shower head. Comes with monkeys. (laughs) 